It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapimer, joined by contributor Mike Santagata today. You might know him as Bengals Sands on Twitter. It is our film review day for the Locked On Bengals podcast, as we've all had time to, to some degree, look at the All-22 from the Bengals' victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars last Thursday, which feels like a very, very long time ago now. Before we get there, Zach Taylor met with the media recently. We're recording this on Monday around 5 o'clock Eastern time. We just finished the Bengals press conferences on Monday. And the takeaway is that uh, the Bengals are getting healthier. A lot of guys that were on the injury report last week who didn't play, who there was some concern about long-term, are in line to practice this week. And that includes Jadobe Awuzie, Jesse Bates, who Zach Taylor said wanted to play on Thursday. Sounds like a little bit of protection from himself by this coaching and medical staff on Thursday. Let's see, Ricardo Allen on the way back. Joe Mixon might not be as bad as feared when Adam Schefter's report came out earlier today, and I'm forgetting one. T. Higgins expected to practice on Wednesday as well. So good news all around for the Bengals getting healthier before their biggest opponent of the week, or so yeah. far of the year, I should say. It's huge. Like, if, if you can get all those guys back, look, let's just talk about Jesse Bates and Chidobe Awuja. Like, if you're dealing – with multiple injuries to the secondary and a, a Ron Rogers is in town. Well, good luck. I, I don't want to have to face him ever. And if you have to face him uh, without those guys, your best cornerback, obviously you're probably your best defensive player, certainly your best safety that sucks. And so if those guys are back, that's huge on the flip side. If Jamar chase continues to do what he's doing, of course, they're going to start doubling him. And I probably would, if I was green Bay, especially if Jair Alexander can't play, so you get T. Higgins back in the mix. Now it's a little less likely that they they do that potentially, and, and there's a better chance that this offense gets going. So, you know, Mixon, uh, we'll see. I, I'm a little more pessimistic with him, uh, to be honest, than those other guys because it's he's got a little longer layoff since it was a Thursday game. But uh, Taylor seems more optimistic than the national narrative, and I, I just – I don't know. So we'll see what he does later in the week. But overall, I, th- I think you take it if you're the Bengals and you hope most of these guys are back on Sunday. Yeah, reported to be a, a low-grade ankle sprain by Adam Schefter in the same tweet when he called Joe Mixon week to week. And now, when you read that, you think, oh, Zach Taylor, that, that could be something that Zach Taylor said. That that sounds like something that Zach told Adam about. But then in his press conference today, he goes day-to-day. And that, that fits more to me with a low-grade ankle sprain over a 10-day layoff. You get the extra days off and We'll see what happens there. I agree with you. That That's the one that is the most nebulous for sure. But getting T. Higgins back will be big because you can tell that they miss him. Perhaps that's why C.J. Uzama more involved against Jacksonville. Yeah. And, hey, that worked out just fine. But you're also seeing a lot more snaps for guys like Trenton Irwin, 
Auden Tate, Mike Thomas, and they're not getting a ton of targets. So getting T. Higgins back out there certainly will stress defenses more than those other guys, not to take anything away from them, but T. Higgins is simply a, a better player. And and getting Cheeto back and Jesse Bates back potentially, how about getting the full revamped secondary together for the first time, right? Trey Wayne's healthy. Yeah, he gave up the deep ball. Wasn't that bad. And we're going to talk to Mike about Trey, but getting Cheeto back, he's been good. And and Jesse mm-hmm. Bates was obviously, I think, and Matt Minnick pointed this out. We talked about it yesterday, I believe, missed in the run game. Brandon Wilson more hesitant getting downhill, getting to the gaps that he could potentially fill from his single high spot at times. And that was visible in the run game as well. James Robinson also doing a good job of making him wrong a couple times. But getting those guys back together with this defensive line, I mean, this Bengals team, remarkably healthy at this point in the season if these guys are all practicing this week for sure and you know that's such a a thing right they talk about it there was a theme of the offseason anytime duke tobin spoke or zach taylor half the time it was health 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 and it's fair because 2015 is the last time the bengals had a winning record and they were the healthiest team in the league and so when you have a team like this that isn't coming off of four straight playoff appearances and it's the opposite where you've had five straight losing seasons you need health to be on your side so Hopefully it remains on their side. And uh, let's dive in a, a little bit with, with Bengals Sands and Jake, I, have, I have one question first, if I could. What and, and yeah. then we'll go to and then we'll go to Mike, because I, I have a question for Mike related to these injuries. I was watching Zach Taylor's press conference today, and it kind of struck me that he's talking about a three in one team. And I'm so used to watching Zach Taylor talk about seasons that aren't going well. I, I just I just was noticing differences and I thought it was kind of weird and kind of cool to see how he's talking about the team now that they're winning games and things are going well. And I just wanted to get your quick take on that, James. Do you notice like those little subtle differences in the way he's talking about the team? Or maybe they're not so subtle, but I just found that to be a little bit interesting. Yeah, there is a difference because I, I think he – not that he was defensive, but you're naturally, I think, going to defend – what you're doing or the plan when you're three and 10, right? Or, or things aren't going well and you, you're looking for your your first back-to-back uh, wins as, as head coach of the team, which was the case up until late last season, yeah. right? And now he's done it twice in a matter of games. So yeah, I think so. And uh, the other part of it to me, and I think this is very clear when you look at the roster turnover, I think Zach went to Mike Brown and I don't know this. I think he went and said, I need my guys. And for the first year ever since he's been here, feels like he has his guys. <laughs> and when you have the like your team and you feel like it's, all right, we know what Jamar can do. That's my receiver. We know what T can do or insert whoever. And it's not just guys that weren't here, obviously Boyd and Mixon. And, the, you know, there's, there's layovers from the Marvin era. But when that's the case, you're going to be more confident. And, you know, I, I certainly think that he's not that they're perfect, but he, he is different in the way he's carrying himself so far in these news conferences. And, you know, if they keep winning, maybe we'll see a side of Zach that we've never seen. I like the defiant answer as well. When like, there was a question about, you know, the differences between last year and this year. And he's like, well, we have all these guys we didn't have last year that, that were hurt. And so like yes. comes back to the injury thing. And when he lists them all, it's like, yeah, I see where you're coming from. All right. So the question I have for Mike James, sorry, I interrupted you there was of the guys that are injured that we're expecting to get back. Which are I was going to ask which he's most excited for from what they do 
for the team. Is is that where you were going, James, or, or where were you going? Because we can go your direction too if you want. No, that's fine because it, it had to do with injuries, and I, I think I know where it is. Uh, so I'm not going to answer for Mike. So Mike, who are you most excited about getting back this week? Jesse Bates. Uh, I nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead. I, I think T is a great receiver, and Joe Mixon's a great running back, but. Yeah, Jesse Bates is last year had a case to be the best safety in the league. And this year they hasn't jumped out as much. I think defense or offenses aren't trying to test him as much. But I mean, could you imagine going into the Packers game with Devontae Adams and all their assortment of role receivers, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Randall Cobb, and um Alan Lazard without Jesse Bates with uh, Brandon Wilson singled high. That's, uh, that seems like uh, Devontae Adams ISO route season <laughs> all game if he's gone. So that's the one I'd be most excited for. Although I will say, I think T Higgins easily the second one, just because the Packers cornerbacks without Jair Alexander are pretty suspect in the entire secondary. I even saw Darnell Savage got dinged up too. I'm not sure if he's out good to go questionable whatever i saw he got dinged up in the game so he even if he goes he might not be 100 percent. so the Bengals' passing attack could look pretty nice and zadarius smith just had back surgery i think two days ago so if there was any concern and i wasn't following it he he would be eligible to come off the ir this week and that certainly will not be happening but let's talk about this team let's get back to the tape from Thursday. We'll talk with Mike Bengal Sands and get into the all 22 coming up next. You like saving money. I like saving money. I know Bengal Sands and Jake like saving money. Well, you can do it with the Get Upside app. Look, you can make up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up by downloading Get Upside. All you got to do is grab your smartphone and go to the App Store, or go to Google Play, depending on what smartphone you have. And just type in get upside, G-E-T-U-P-S-I-D-E. Download it. And when you go to make that first fill up, use promo code touchdown and you're going to get a 25 cent bonus. So it's up to 50 cents off per gallon. That's easy money, free money. And you can take advantage of it right now with the Get Upside app. So go to the App Store, go to Google Play, whether you have uh, iPhone or Android. And make sure when you download the Get Upside app, you use promo code touchdown for up to 50 cents off per gallon on your next fill up again get upside promo code touchdown if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast join the draft dudes kyle krabs and joe marino as they go position by position through the nfl free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 nfl draft If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Nice job, uh, 50 cents, not 50%. We nailed it this time. Very good. We, We got that straightened out. Uh, let's, let's talk offense first, Mike, and let's talk about this passing attack because I I think Joe Burrow played a a nearly not quite flawless, but nearly flawless game against Jacksonville. I was, and let's just start there. What, What was your assessment? Do you agree? Do you think that there were many mistakes? I mean, the way I see it, there were maybe like three mistakes and, and some of those were even 
catchable. So what, what's your assessment there from, from what you saw from Burrow this week? Yeah, nearly perfect. Uh, awesome game from him. That's two in a row where he's played really, really well. And it's exactly what you're looking for when you draft a quarterback number one overall his second year. Now he's looking like he could be, I don't know. <laughs> he looks like he could be one of the guys in this league, like not just somebody that's an up and coming star, but somebody who can actually hold their weight in that conversation. Uh, I think certainly other than week two, he's shown that he is playing at a high level and Packers high level offense. So just looking at looking forward, it's going to be uh burrow, I don't really believe in the quarterback versus quarterback thing, but a lot of people do for a versus Rogers type thing where if he puts up or stays competitive, it'll open some eyes. Uh, I think he's been playing really well though. I don't remember very many mistakes. Uh, Maybe the sack that got called back for a hold anyway, uh, he could have just found a way to release the ball because it's I think third and one and you don't want to end up in fourth and long. Other than that, I can't even think off the top of my head of him making any real mistakes. Okay, so mistake-free, which I, I think is fair when you play as well as he did. What about throws? What, what big-time throw or two stand out, and why do they stand out so much to you? The main one was, uh, and this is partially the play call, was the out-and-up to Trenton Irwin because why are you calling an isolated deep ball to Trent Irwin? But he fit it perfectly to the back shoulder. Irwin made a great catch. He was open too, so he ran ran well. Uh, that really stuck out as wow, that's a really good throw and a great catch. Other one was the uh, felt like the momentum shifter, the Jamar Chase deep ball, right right to him, perfect late separation from Chase. Just what we've seen on go routes from Chase so far this year uh, wasn't exactly nine eighty nine, but it almost looked like it. Uh, there was two outside go routes and a dig, but. It came from a weird bunch set. I chalked it up more as an isolated go route for Chase, but you could make the argument. Uh, other than that, uh, to, not the throw, but love what Burrow did to audible into the perimeter jailbreak screen to CJ Uzoma when he saw the, uh, I know it as birds on a fence post. Uh, all the defensive backs are in a line and yeah, straight line. Uh, it's actually a thing. A lot of, Coordinators will talk to their quarterbacks about contour, and you have uh, for the YouTube, you're rounded like that, flat, and then there's inverted, which is like a little zigzag. And I'll tell you, give you a hint as to what coverage you're facing. And flat means cover zero or quarters. And well, they certainly weren't playing quarters in that pressure look. Yeah, that was uh, an observation in one of the film reviews that that. I think I saw, I think you retweeted as well, Mike. They, they talked about when you show that many guys coming and you're flat across the defensive backs, that's a very, very clear indicator of a zero pressure. The other throw that stood out to me that you didn't mention, just to throw another one in there, CJ Uzama's second touchdown, manipulated the pocket well, got a good block from Jackson Carmen that I talked about in our post-game episode, our instant reaction episode, and also just like a perfect throw. That was actually a really tight window when you see it from the end zone angle. He fits it right past the linebacker's hand on a bit of a scramble drill with CJ and gets it behind the defenders and puts CJ in a position where he can run after the catch. And hey, that's a touchdown. That's a big play in the game. Let's talk offensive line. Off of that note, Jackson Carmen had that 
in my opinion, pretty flashy play in pass protection where he was looking for work, found it, and it was very important because Joe Burrow almost ran himself into a sack if Jackson Carmen isn't there to make the play. Instead, he's there to get in the way of the looping defender, and Joe's able to roll left and find CJ Zama for a touchdown. That's a big play. But as you've pointed out, I think in a lot of your Twitter clips, the run game uh, I think leaves a lot to be desired for Jackson Carmen. Um, so let's talk offensive line. And, and I think Jackson Carmen, the most intriguing out of these guys and in our O line report card this week, let's just start with Carmen. Up and down. Uh, I'm just surprised by the uh, pro football focus, constantly giving him the 30 when I think he plays more like up and down, like a 50 somewhere around there. You could say 55. If you want to be pessimistic, 45, I think he got really tested in the run game this week they like to put the uh the two eye to his side and on wide zone that's a really difficult block um and one time they moved the three tech and stunted him to a two eye which even more difficult so and, and can you talk about those alignments a little bit so j- yeah. just for the people that are new so two eye being over the inside shoulder of the guard three tech being outside the guard yeah three tech right outside the guard uh there's a loose three tech which would be further outside but in still not on the tackle shoulder, but we don't need to get too complicated. So three techs right outside the guard, the two eye, uh, you can think of an eye like the defender's eye here is going to be matched up with the opposite eye of the offensive lineman or just shoulder to shoulder. Like he's right there next to him, but he's not head up over him. He's just a little bit inside. And that's why it's difficult on wide zone because your first step is pretty much always outside. Um, it can change with a call at the offensive line. And I think he even tried that on one of the two eye front side blocks, but still it's just a hard block to make. And the, the Jags interior of the defensive line, they're pretty strong dudes. It seems like uh, they didn't want to be moved. <laughs> they get paid too. Uh, so yeah, he had difficult assignments, which is something I think I didn't talk about last week was he didn't really get tested this time. He got tested mm-hmm. and, trial by fire some of them work some of them didn't but overall i'm more encouraged after this week than i was after last week because i was thinking last week well if he looked like this and he wasn't even tested like what's he gonna look like when somebody throws some stuff at him and they did and he had some flash plays he had some wrong flash plays but overall uh i felt i feel similar about him he's not a liability he's still probably a positive contributor to the offensive line uh maybe at least net positives in a small way or at least net neutral uh, to the offensive line. So you keep him in there. He's going to get better over time. Yeah. I, I mean, you take it right. If he's, if he's a, a young 21 year old and he's netting neutral, let's just say worst case, uh, sign me up after two starts for sure. Let's stick to the right side. What'd you think about from rookie to, to veteran Riley reef? Weirdly. Uh, I thought he was, I don't know. I thought he was fine. It felt like an okay performance. There was some misplays. I think there was uh, a few Bengals mainly run wide zones. So that's the main plays that stick out my mind. There's a wide zone play where he didn't get to the second level fast enough. And he could have made Carmen's block look better if he got there and made that block. And then Mixon makes both of them look better than, better than the blocks they made by scooting, <laughs> quickly bursting outside and making angles wrong, things like that but he couldn't because Reef didn't get to the second level fast enough and Carmen got beaten inside. So I think it was okay. Are, are we still doing grades? Because it's like a C it's, it's average performance. Um, you hope more for B's from reef, but 
it happens. These guys are people. They're not machines. Uh, he's going to have good days. And this was, wasn't a bad day. It was just okay. It was an okay day. And, and where would you be on Carmen's grade then just to, to run down the list? Because to me, looking at the offensive line, what I've seen is they all had their fair share of good plays and there were a few mistakes sprinkled in for everybody and maybe a few more for Carmen in the run game. But what's your grade for Carmen? And then let's just finish it off. Hopkins through Jonah. Yeah, Carmen's probably, I'll say a C minus because I do think the misses stick out a little bit more than with Reef, even if there were some higher level plays to go with it. So C minus and C. I think Burrow does a great job of making these guys look better, and they are better in pass protection too, I think. And Mixon does a good job of making them look better in the run game. And then Hopkins to the left. Let's go down the list. Hopkins, I'm trying to think. I got him probably about a B minus. Wow. I think he was solid. And there was one play in particular where – uh, ah, he also gave up. The, he kind of gave up the sack. So I'm starting to lean back to C plus. I'll say C plus. But I think of the really high level processing that Carmen gets beat, and Hopkins notices that and goes yeah. around him to pick up uh, the guy that beat Carmen and save Burrow from taking a hit. So that's sticking out to me in my mind. Other than that, yeah, there was some. He got beat early on uh on the sack so that also sticks out so i'll say c c plus somewhere around there that seems a little generous i feel like there was a, a miscue in the wrong game as well but we'll take a c from trey trending in the right direction at least this week and let's finish it off with uh quentin spain and jonah williams if we can get some quick assessments of how they played very bell curve where i give spain probably a c as well sure. <laughs> he had the holding call he had some yeah other issues there but he also on the man side on the last drive was able to pick up a looper with uh, mm-hmm. jonah so that was really nice to see and carmen did a great job of that all game was picking up his loopers and passing off his stunts um so yeah probably a c for him jonah i i want to say b plus but i almost feel like he wasn't tested as much as you would think because josh allen dropped into coverage i think eight times during pass plays something like that something crazy where I kept thinking this is going to be a big matchup and they had their battle and he won some Josh Allen looked like he would win if Burrow held the ball a little bit longer, but he didn't. And then other than that, there, there was plays, I think, Oh, I get another matchup of this and he drops in the coverage and he's picking up some defensive tackle. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's good work, but it's, I want to see the high level young guys going at it. Urban Meyer making questionable decisions, a theme of the weekend. Let's get into the defense coming up next. You know what isn't questionable is DirecTV Stream. We've talked about it for quite some time here on Locked On Bengals. And look, we get it. A lot of you probably have one device for this, one device for that. You got a best friend's login for this or that. But you could get it all together in one spot so you don't have to enter in all these logins with DirecTV Stream. It's a simpler way to get the entertainment you love without the hassle. And you can bring your TV together in one spot. And like I said, DirecTV Stream, you have all the best live TV and on-demand favorites, and they're together like never before. So check them out. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And while you're watching your DirecTV Stream, maybe you want a snack. 
You know how much we love built bars here on the Locked On Bengals podcast and their nine delicious flavors. Whether you're a coconut fan or a peanut butter fan, they've got something for you. They've also got their fruity flavors, of course, that we've talked about. Cherry, Barcia, the longtime favorite. Mint brownie, too. Maybe you like mint and chocolate. Whatever flavor it is that you like, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate and they all have a ton of protein, averaging about 17 grams of protein per bar on just a handful of calories, right around 130, 150 per bar. Can't beat that when it tastes like you're eating a candy bar. Go check them out at BuiltBar.com. We've got a promo code for you, LOCKED15. You'll save 15% on your next order at BuiltBar.com. Again, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, James, let's bring Bengal Sands back in. Mike Santagata at Bengal Sands on Twitter for those of you that don't know him. And let's talk defense in this game. A bit of a rocky start. And I just thought that, you know, James and I, in our recent, most recent episode, in our, in our you know, Monday episode, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the offense. So I want to dedicate a segment here to the defense, as we often do in these film review episodes. But I think there's a lot to talk about here because it seemed like they weren't ready for whatever it was that they were presented with schematically in the first half, but those adjustments happened and, and they were very well on their way to giving up 21 points in the first half. If not for that goal line stand and a really good individual play by Logan Wilson and a really good individual play by Larry Ogunjobi helping to make that stuff. But in the second half, it's, it's a totally different story, right? They give up seven points and the Jaguars don't really threaten a whole lot outside of their one touchdown drive in the second half. So what was it from, from your perspective that gave the Bengals so many issues in the first half? Definitely part of it was, I don't think they were anticipating how dynamic Trevor Lawrence can be running the ball. And that goes, I don't even know if they're ready a ton for the zone read (laughs) because it seemed like, while Sam Hubbard can key his tackle and know that it's coming at him, he's kind of thinking, yeah, he's going to hand this ball off, uh, Trevor Lawrence. And if he doesn't, I'll, I'll pop back out and I'll get him. And that on um, the touchdown that Trevor Lawrence had, he commits a little bit, a little bit to the run that he's trying to bounce back outside to get Trevor and ends up on a highlight reel, which you never want to be on as a defender. And then I think a stark contrast was when they, you got the same play zone read, not in the red zone or anything like that, but Sam Hubbard doesn't crash down like at all. He just stays where he is. Lawrence pulls it and uh, he's right there. So he, Lawrence is trying to make all these moves and ends up just falling down like Daniel Jones on that unforgettable play uh, just falls down and Hubbard's able to just tap him. So it seemed like they were, they weren't, I want to say unprepared, but the thing with the short week is you have less time to prepare. So when they come out and they do something like that, you're not as ready as you should be. Uh, but and I think James Robinson is he should be a feature back somewhere. I think he's honestly kind of similar to Mixon, where these defenders they try to play slow. They try to I'm going to be in this gap, and once you declare, I'm go- moving to this gap. And James Robinson's very good at manipulating those defensive linemen to uh, think that he's committed to a gap, and then he's able to just quickly scoot back outside. Uh, or inside, whichever way he wants them to go. So that, I think, was hurting them a little bit. And some of it is, honestly, it's luck. Uh, you get the op- you, you don't get an OPI call on the Chenault bomb. Uh, you get a few more stops. Lawrence misses a throw. Pressure gets there. May- and 
a lot of those pressures got there in the second half, whether that's uh, an adjustment made. I didn't see too much of an adjustment really from the front uh, on pass rushing situations that they didn't bring any weird fun pressures to get those uh, to get those pressures. <laughs> uh, but it was just really Trey Hendrickson and DJ reader once just beating their man and getting to the quarterback. So I don't know. I think they weren't as prepared as they could have been going into the game, but they made the adjustments needed to really stifle them in the second half. Coming into the season, Mike, I know the linebackers were such a big question mark and I can think about big plays from each of them uh, on Thursday night uh, in by each of them. I mean, the, the young kids, the second, uh, second year and third year guys um, with Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, obviously, and then Akeem Davis Gaither. So what did you think about their performance as a whole and, and what stood out? outside of, you know, Logan Wilson's awesome numbers for the second straight week. <laughs> they all look good. They all have a role. They all just play their role really well. And Wilson's kind of the uh, stud Mike type guy where he's doing everything. He's getting into coverage. He's helping fit the run. Jermaine Pratt, they use him. They've started using him on the line a bit, which is interesting as like a stand-up linebacker on the defensive front. And they also have him off ball as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, think of plays in particular. So many times Logan Wilson was able to stay clean, which credit to the interior of our defense of the Bengals defensive line to keep him clean and not let a combo block climb to the second level, grab him and push into that guy. Uh, but when he stayed clean, he didn't miss a tackle and he didn't get fooled by Robinson. So he would be tracking the ball carrier near hip and then wait for him once he's there in the hole together. Uh, Robinson couldn't make him miss in the hole. So that was really nice to see. Pratt had my favorite play where he's chasing the quarterback on the rollout. And so many times you see a linebacker just go screaming at the quarterback with his hands up and the quarterback just throws it right over his head, but he backs off knowing there's a route behind him, gets him to just run out of bounds basically for one, two, I don't know, maybe three yard gain. And then Gaither in coverage had that really nice mesh. They ran mesh and a stop route, which is very, very common, uh, he covers the mesh, making sure that they don't sit down. And then once he covers his side of the mesh, he goes back and makes like a diving breakup on the stop route, which was awesome. So all three of them, awesome. It's the best I've felt about the Bengals linebackers, I don't know, since it was perfect in Maluga. Yeah, and we talked about that, James. We said when's the last time you felt this good about the linebackers? We talked about that on yesterday's show, I believe. And I, I, the one that stands out to me that we talked about right after after the game was that Jermaine Pratt play. I remember we, we were talking. We were both in the stands. We are both in 154, and Mike finds me after the game, and we talked about that play. And, and my initial reaction is, Jermaine, just go get the guy. And then you see the replay, and you see that he takes away that angle, that throwing angle. Really, uh, really heady play for the third-year linebacker, Jermaine Pratt, who you also, I think, have a clip on your Twitter feed doing a good job forcing a run to cut back and to help. So Jermaine Pratt continuing to play well. And, you know, I remember actually in week one, I believe, against the Vikings, we also saw some Jermaine Pratt on the edge kind of playing a defensive end alignment. And I criticized it at the time because he got blown out on that play. But if it's not going so poorly anymore, then great. Good for him. You take those steps in the right direction. Let's finish up with the secondary here real quick, Mike. Uh, Eli Apple had by far his best game, most notably big pass breakup and cover three coming over and uh, 
breaking up a third a third down pass. It could have otherwise been a conversion early in the game. Um, you know, didn't miss tackles. And the absence of Jesse Bates, Trey Wayne's performance, if we can talk about those three topics, I guess, loosely to finish things up. What what did you see there? Yeah, and that, that play you're talking about specifically with Eli Apple and the cover three uh, is slot fade, which you like versus single high coverage. You don't have a safety you're throwing into, but he notices it and he's able to drop back into his zone and make a play on it. So really high level thing from Eli Apple. And I also think of the Chenault stop on the goal line to set up the goal line stop. Big play from Chenault's a guy that can make you miss and drag you into the end zone after the catch. Uh, so those two plays really stuck out for Apple's definitely his best game of his season. I haven't watched enough to say his career, but I mean, his career didn't go that well before this, so it could be, <laughs> um, Trey Waynes, he had the one play. And I think if that gets called offensive pass interference, you'd be seeing much more glowing reviews of his game because it was pretty good. He did a good job of keeping everything in front of him for the most part, other than the one play and just pretty solid coverage, uh, Bates missing. I thought they're going to play a lot of too high so that the safety, neither safety was stuck single high on the island, but they just put Brandon Wilson on the island for a lot of those plays. I was surprising, but that's it's fine to be gapped out. And but the thing is, when one of your guys misses, Jesse Bates has the ability to come off the roof and just make a play within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Brandon Wilson doesn't really do that as well neither tackling nor seeing play recognizing so quick that like before it hits, he's sprinting down there to help. So he was missed a bit in the run game. Uh, they didn't, didn't feel like they tested it too, too much in the past game, but more so I, I think, I think Matt Minnick also said it, but Jesse Bates missed a little bit in the run game uh, where when James Robinson was making guys wrong on his, pre line of scrimmage ability uh jesse bates would usually be down there by then but brandon wilson was not yeah and it was noticeable in the red zone i think on james robinson's touchdown to me brandon wilson looked late to react and and get down there and provide a little bit of run support and in the goal line situation like the safety should in my opinion be even quicker on that trigger to get downhill and uh, try to provide a little bit of support there last note i want to comment on that you said there with trey waynes is the one play he did give up is a scramble drill play. So those are harder for corners and, you know, there's an OPI debatably there, but that, I mean, that's a hell of a throw from Trevor Lawrence rolling out, like just before he's out of bounds on the sideline there. So, you know, very difficult play for Trey Wayne's obviously one you'd like him to make, but you know, so you understand how that sort of happens when you're trying to hold up in coverage that late in the snap. I think that's it, James. You have anything else you would like to add today? Any any closing remarks from Mr. Rapine? No, not really. I think I'm good, man. I can't wait to I'm about to break open this belt bar. I've been watching Mike. I, it's been taking me everything, everything in me not to eat this damn thing on YouTube during the show. I was like, I put myself on mute. I was eyeing it on my desk. I was about to do it. So I'm about to crush this bad boy. Really tempting yourself by putting it in arm's reach, I see. That's going to do it for this episode. Of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, the Bengals are off. The Bengals are off on Tuesday when you're listening to this episode, when James and I are recording next. So I believe that means the mailbag is back on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Get those questions ready. Get them uh, prepared to submit to the at Locked On Bengals Twitter account. That's where we will be soliciting questions. 
Look for that tweet tomorrow from that account. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.